0: Just a rock some more. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Boneyard. I'm Doc, and this week we're going to explore a subject I'm very passionate about. (laughs) I'm going to propose a question, folks. Have you ever walked down the hallway in the house all by yourself and felt a breeze? Now you know that you're alone. Your mind tells you that. But are you really? <laughs> well, we're going to explore that this week, folks. So strap in, because this ride's going to get a little weird. So, is that shit creepy enough for you, folks? Well, <laughs> strap in, like I said, it's going to get weird. No, I'm serious, folks. This is a subject that I'm very passionate about. I have lots of passions, you know, I have veterans issues, obviously. But I'm going to explore the subject of the paranormal today. I know what you may be thinking. This guy's finally lost his marbles. His cheese has slipped off his cracker. His banana peel finally came undone. Now, folks, I can assure you that I am quite sane. At least that's what my shrink said, anyway, but that's another subject altogether. Now, I'm quite positive. At some point in your lives, maybe as a kid, maybe as a teenager, Y'all gathered together, maybe for a sleepover, turned off the lights, grabbed the flashlight, put it up underneath your chin, turned it on, and started recounting tales of the unknown, tales of the paranormal, ghost stories, stories about things that go bump in the night. Well, folks, some things really do go bump in the night. So let's look at the meaning of the word paranormal. What does paranormal mean? Well, it depends on your interpretation of paranormal, but the common consensus is it is usually outside the norm. Hence, para, outside, normal being norm. Uh, there's other definitions out there, uh, looking at one as a matter of fact, that uh, describes it as an adjective denoting events or phenomena such as telekinesis or clairvoyance that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. Hence, paranormal. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a little journey into the world of the unknown, so to speak. I firmly believe that there is an explanation for everything. Everything can be explained. But, with what results? Scientific? Or maybe something else? Now, before we go any farther, there are natural-born skeptics out there. I embrace skepticism. There is nothing wrong with being a skeptic. There is nothing wrong with not believing in something that you cannot tangibly see, feel, smell, touch, taste, or hear. I get it. But what happens when the skeptic has a change of heart? Something to think about. So what generated this interest of mine in the paranormal? Well, let's take a walk down memory lane, my memory lane. I was about seven years old, I guess. Uh, My mother had a a cousin, Joanne. Joanne's husband, Buddy, was out swimming one night with a bunch of friends, was intoxicated, and subsequently drowned. They never recovered his remains. Matter of fact, he died in in the Christiana River in Newport, Delaware. Well, it wasn't long after Buddy's demise that we began to see Buddy in the house. And when we saw Buddy, he always had the same thing on. He had a pair of blue jeans and he had a white t-shirt on. The very same outfit that he had on when he died. Let that sink in for a minute, folks. Now, I'm sure that there's some out there who may say, well, that was just a delusion. Yes, if it was one individual... Sure, I could see that. However, when more than one person sees the same thing at the same time, I think maybe there's something a little more to it than that. Uh, I don't believe in group psychosis, so to speak. So, was it Buddy? Could be. Joanne would babysit me when my mother worked late, or she went out. And more than one occasion, we would sit in the living room watching TV and watch things come flying off the the stairs. Now, when I say fly off the stairs, I mean propelled with force. Not falling down the stairs, but propelled with force. With no one around. With an unseen hand moving it. Folks, I'm not making this shit up. I was exposed to this at an early age, and throughout my life, I've had different experiences with the paranormal. Some good, some bad. Uh, Starting in uh, 2005, not long after I came back from Iraq and was settled in my uh, brand new apartment, the occurrences started. My family has witnessed occurrences over the years. We've taken photos With visual light anomalies in them. Streaks of light from a still camera. Shadows. Orbs. We've heard noises. We've heard knocking. We've heard scratching. We've heard footsteps. We've heard disembodied voices. Which are voices loud enough for you to audibly hear without a recording device. We've been scratched, punched, pushed. So the logical mind says it's not possible, but I submit folks, it is possible. It did happen and it continues to happen. And I'd like to take some time to explore that if you don't mind. So I'm going to propose a quick question, folks, what happens to us when we die? Do we remain earthbound, maybe sticking around to, uh, finish unfinished business? Or do we move on somewhere to that, uh, etheric plane? Well, let's check it out. See what happens. All right, gang. So, uh, what is this uh, thing called the etheric plane? Well, it's uh, best described as the fourth or higher subplane of the physical plane, or hyperplane. Uh, the lower three classes being the states of solid, liquid, and gaseous matter. So, uh, it's above that. And it is a term that was introduced back in the 19th century pertaining to a uh, philosophy called theosophy. T-H-E-O-S-C-O-P-H-Y, Theoscopy. Uh, It is a belief that that the knowledge of God may be achieved through higher spiritual ecstasy, direct intuition, or special individual relations. Hmm. Well, I don't know about all that, folks. But uh, I do believe that there is a plane that that we cross over when we leave this physical realm. Now, you can call it... (laughs) Basically, whatever the hell you want to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not dead, so I can't answer that question. But uh, that's some of the common, common knowledge and uh, common theory that's out there right now, folks. Now, having said that, as a, uh, a witness to uh, paranormal events and also a, uh, a student of parapsychology, psychology, and the paranormal, uh, I will say this. Uh, some of this stuff is open to interpretation. And, uh, there's a lot of theories out there to explain why we experience what we experience. It's a lot of conjecture. Uh, some of this stuff can be backed up by science, but, uh, it, there's a lot of, uh, hypothesis and, uh, guesswork in it also. Uh, the only way to, to truly prove or disprove the, uh, the commonality of, uh, paranormal themes is, uh, to actually be dead yourself. <laughs> and, uh. You know, if you're on the other side of the wall there, uh, it's, uh, interpretation. All right. I want to take a couple of seconds or correction, a couple of minutes to talk about visual anomalies, commonly known as orbs. What exactly is an orb? Well, it's uh, hypothesized that an orb is a, a spirit ball of energy that manifests when conditions are right. Uh, whether there's a a static electrical charge in the air, high uh, electromagnetic field readings, uh, but they're basically uh, commonly described as a ball shaped visual light anomaly. Now, granted, some of these are real. Uh, I've caught someone on film myself. However, they're very easy to, uh, to debunk. Case in point, if you have a carpeted floor, Take still photos of that room before you walk through, walk through, stop, turn around, take pictures of the area you just walked through, chances are you'll have orbs. They'll be all over. Uh, they could be dust particles, uh, be moisture on the lens, but they're, they're easy to, to fake, Now, like I said, it's relatively easy to uh, reproduce the uh, the orb effect on uh, on digital photography. However, that's in a controlled environment. If you're outside, orbs are a little a little more uh, difficult to uh, reproduce there. Uh, you know, there are still environmental factors to consider. Uh, dust being the biggest culprit. Uh, Debris in the air, uh, spots on the camera lens—you know that kind of thing. But with uh, the advent of uh, digital photography, it's uh, it's a little more difficult to uh, to have uh, those uh, visual phenomena outside be uh, be fakes, uh, pretty much. <clears throat> so uh, another thing uh, I've captured. On film over the years, uh, using digital photography, are uh, visual light streaks in still photographs. Now, I'm not a uh, photographic expert, and I would not know how to recreate this in a uh, using computerized software, digital enhancement software, or you know that type of thing. But uh, we have, over the years, caught streaks of light in still photographs. And we've taken a series of pictures. There'll be nothing. There'll be an anomaly. And the picture immediately after, there's nothing. So, you tell me, folks. You know? uh, Digital photography is more apt to pick up visual visual presences that uh, go outside of our uh, scope of vision. So, uh, you tell me. Now, over the years, in addition to... uh, visual anomalies, you know, that we've caught on film, uh, we've also, uh, captured audio anomalies. Now, what the hell is an audio anomaly? Have you ever heard the term EVP? Electronic voice phenomenon. What in the hell is that? Well, basically it's a, uh, a sound that can't be heard with the naked ear. Uh, it's basically picked up on a, uh, recording device of some sort digital voice recorder, camcorder, you know, that type of thing. And uh, over the years, you know, we've we've picked up uh, quite a few of them. Some you could audibly hear what's being said. Some come as a whisper. Some come as a growl. Yes, believe it or not, some of the more uh, unlikable ones, so to speak, were, uh, were... Pretty much, uh, uh growls and uh, screams—you know—that type of thing. Uh, I guess they were pretty much made to, uh, to scare us, uh, to some point or another. Uh, but one thing I've uh, always found interesting about EVPs or electronic voice phenomena is it goes outside the range of our hearing, and uh, human hearing basically goes from uh, 20 hertz up to 20,000 hertz somewhere within that, that, that spectrum, uh, a lot of times dogs, cats can hear what we can't. Of course, their hearing is a lot more attuned to higher frequencies than ours. Uh, basically from 20,000 Hertz up to 60,000. So they can hear ultra high frequency sounds. Whereas, you know, we can't. All right, somewhere, somehow, somebody came up with different classes of EVPs, and I don't know exactly who, where, when, why, how, or when this this, uh, train of thought came around, but I'm just going to throw these out there, and uh, you guys can make up your own mind. A Class C is basically whispers unintelligible sounds that you just can't quite make out. Class B is the, uh, the most common and it basically pertains to a certain situation that you were investigating. Uh, if you answer a question if you ask a question and get an answer, a specific answer to that question, that's commonly referred to as a Class B EVP. Class A is more or less an intelligent response, but it's more than one word could be up to a sentence in varying degrees of length, but it's very clearly audible and easily discernible. Now, outside of EVPs are disembodied voices, and those you hear without the benefit of having a recording device present. Uh, You hear those just as you would any other ambient sound. Now, over the years, we've heard our names called And no, I was not sleeping. No, I was not dreaming. Yes, I was fully awake. And as far as I could tell, I still have some marbles left. So having been the only one in the house, hearing my uh, name, Joseph called clear as day from another room. I get up, go in the other room, knowing that I'm the only one there, but I do it anyway. And just to, uh, to prove that theory, (laughs) I go in the room. There's nobody there. So, yeah, uh, disembodied voices, had those happen quite a few times, uh, not just personally, uh, family also is, has heard their names called. Along with the, uh, the voices, there are sightings of things. I'm going to call them things because uh, in the paranormal field, there's a common belief that it's either human or inhuman. Now, human is obviously pretty much self-explanatory. Uh, those that were here that are no longer here in the physical form, obviously. Uh, those that are inhuman, those that were never human to begin with, that have been around since the, uh, the dawn of time, since the dawn of creation. Now, if you go in the church, you know that there's heaven, you know there's hell. You know, that heaven is populated by angels. Hell is populated by demons. Okay. What's the difference between the paranormal and the supernatural? Well, quite frankly, it's the origin of where these uh, these individuals come from. Uh, whether it be angelic or demonic slash Satanic. Um, yes, folks, there are demons that walk this earth. They look for the weak. They look to, uh, to cross and raise hell folks. Uh, I'm sure you're all familiar with a, a movie that came out, uh, William Peter Blatty's, uh, the exorcist. Back in, I think it was 73, 75, something like that. Uh, Yeah, that that raised a few eyebrows, folks. Uh, It is real. It is 100% real. Uh, There have been numerous media-covered events uh, over the years. Uh, The DeFeo murders in Amityville, New York. And I think it was 1975 or 77, I do believe, when, uh, Ronald DeFeo, uh, said that the devil made him kill his whole family. And that was his defense. Uh, that sparked the best-selling book and movie, the Amityville Horror, the, uh, George and Kathy Lutz story of, uh, 112 Ocean Avenue in, uh, Amityville, New York. So Yes. It is my firm belief that angels and demons are real. And I'm going to propose this quick question. How can there be good without evil? Is not evil the antithesis of good? Need I say more? Uh, Another movie that comes to mind, which is based on a true story, was uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rhodes. Correction, Emily Rose, R-O-S-E. That was a, uh, another one, and that literally scared the shit out of me. Uh, the Conjuring movies, based on the works of uh, Ed Lorraine Warren. Psychic uh, investigators uh, who devoted their lives to, uh, to prove that ghosts do exist. Uh, Hans Holzer, another one, who was a uh, pioneer in the field of parapsychology uh, back in the 60s, 70s, early 80s, all the way up to 2000. Uh, on any given night on the Travel Channel, you could tune into paranormal television, so to speak. Uh, there's a lot of different shows out with a lot of different points of view. Some are credible, some not, folks. Some are just, uh, for the, I think, for the entertainment benefit, for the uh, get your uh, hairs on the back of your neck stood up just for the, the tingle effect, so to speak. But yeah, all that stuff, paints a, uh, a unique picture of the world that we not only live in, but we're surrounded by. And quite frankly, uh, we come into contact all the time. We just don't realize it. All right, guys, I've taken your mind out, played with it and put it back for almost a half hour now. So we're going to table this conversation for now, but I assure you there will be more coming up. I would just like to let everyone know that The Bone Yard is a production of Whiskey Niner One Productions and it is copyrighted. Until next time, folks, nothing but the bare bones. Love you. Bye.